Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, you'll be listening to our HW Plus Managing Editor Brenna Nath interview Housing Wire Lead Analyst Logan Motoshami. Motoshami recently wrote an article for Housing Wire titled, We Need Higher Mortgage Rates to Cool the Housing Market. During this interview, Motoshami shares why this is such an important need and what the market needs to reach an equilibrium. But before we listen, here's a brief word on Housing Wire's newest podcast. Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, Housing Wire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join Housing Wire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap. I'm excited to have a frequent guest and a common Housing Wire writer with us. We have Logan Matashami. He's Housing Wire's lead analyst with us today on Housing Wire Daily. You've heard him here before, so I'm not going to go much too much into his background, but he's an expert in all things featured in a lot of different kind of data and housing. And so wanted to touch on his article today that he The headline is, we need higher mortgage rates to cool the housing market. We do a lot of deep dives into the pieces that you're writing, Logan. So first off, just thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here as always. So this article, I wanted to set the scene. You talk a lot about how this year, 2020, 2024, will have the best housing market demographics ever recorded in U.S. history. To set the scene, can you kind of dive into what does that mean? What are the best housing demographics? So economics is really driven by demographics, but housing specifically, there's a specific age where people tend to buy homes. And from 2008 to 2019, you know, my working thesis is that demographics are just too weak to have demand really pick up during this period. But when years 2020 to 2024 comes, it's going to be completely different. So we came from the weakest housing recovery ever to now this period in time. And if mortgage rates are low, which they should be, um, you're going to have the best housing demographics 
during this period, but also you're going to have the lowest mortgage rates. So think of it as King Kong and Godzilla, the two titans of housing that drives housing historically are both coming into this period in time. And there's a problem with that. You can have unhealthy home price growth when you have these two titans uh, coming in together. And this article is, is basically running in line with what I talked about a lot last year. Real home prices adjusting to inflation, which is the equivalence of rent, uh, uh, is unhealthy right now. And we're now seeing the raw power of mother demographics right here, right? Demand is too good. Inventory is too low. And you're starting to get multiple bidding wars. This is not healthy. And one of the reasons I put the metric of 4.6% nominal home price growth. If we go above this, uh, it's not good. We're well more than double that, uh, you know, from last year. So this is why the only thing that I that I believe can just cool. And what I mean cool is give a little bit of breather. You know, we're, we're uh, homes are selling at 21 days. You know, if it goes 28 or 29 days, it's still fine. But we cannot, we don't want to see these multiple bids, home prices accelerating kind of uh, marketplace because it's not healthy for everyone. And this was the number one concern I had for housing during this period and it's happening. So, you know, I have to raise the red flag. This is not a good thing. Uh, of course, it's a first world problem to have. Yeah, demand is too good, uh, uh, but prices going above this trend, like, you know, these this five year period, if home prices are above 4.6% every single year and we get eight, nine, 10%, it doesn't do anyone any good that this is happening right now. So uh, that was my concern. We're we're now live. Everyone's seen what's going on in the marketplace. And you're starting to see some people go, hey, how could I, I can't buy a house. I just get outbidded every single time now. Uh, and these, this is not a speculative demand. This is not like 2005 where you have speculating debt, uh, uh, a bad loan debt structure demand. You know, existing home sales only ended uh, 2020 at 5.64 million. That's only 130,000 130, homes sold more than 2017. We just have a lot of demand. Inventory is low. Remember, housing tenure is still at 10 years and mortgage rates are artificially low, not because of the Fed or anything. It's just because COVID is an unnatural economic event and it's keeping mortgage rates lower than longer. And part of the AB economic model that we wrote for Housing Wire last year is that the 10-year yield in years 2021 should get to 1.3%. It got there yesterday, we had a print. Rates are gonna rise because the economy is getting better. Inflation expectations are rising, growth is gonna pick up. We're gonna have a really good growth year this year working from the low. So rates are going up no matter what, just because the economy is finally getting off of its uh, COVID-19. And it'll be a benefit to the housing market if this happens, because right now demand is too good, inventory is too low, and it's an unhealthy housing market. What I thought was intriguing about this headline, it's a great headline. I might be biased on that. But when it says we need higher mortgage rates to cool the housing market, I think that's something that looking at it, we obviously talk to the industry. We often talk to mortgage lenders and real estate agents, but they're also the people who are communicating with the home buyer and the end user. And I'm sure all they've heard about for the past year is low mortgage rates, low mortgage rates, which is fueling that demand because that's the one piece of news that they often hear and get. So talking to maybe just for a second outside of the industry and talking to the home buyer who sees a headline or hears like this and they get scared and they're like, you know, higher mortgage rates and really kind of setting it for that person. You mentioned it earlier, like, hey, it's just a break. What's the difference between 28 days and this amount of days? How would you structure this for the industry as they're talking to home buyers or maybe how to set it into perspective of like, this actually just means that you won't have to bid as high on your house or higher rates actually might mean you don't 
have to overbid on a house? What would you tell the end kind of buyer what this means when you say higher if they get scared about it? Here's the thing. When I think about this period in housing, it was last year, last February, 2020. Uh, this is before mortgage rates collapsed. Housing broke out last year. So even with 1% higher mortgage rates, demand was already picking up. So we're, you know, we're below 3%. You know, we're 2.75. The longer this stays here, the worse it'll be for housing. So when I talk about higher mortgage rates, you know, in the 2021 protection, you know, if the 10-year yield, which it should, rise up to be between 1.33 and 1.60 and then eventually you know if things if things really do pick up we get a 1.94 we're only talking about 3.375 to 3.625 okay the housing market is not going to collapse it's not going to do anything in fact it it had higher you know some of the better sales numbers actually came in with with higher mortgage rates all this does is it, it relieves some of the stress that we're saying, I'm hopefully, hopefully, I'm hoping it does because I'm not sure yet. I talked about always in the past that when a 10-year yield gets about 2.62% or when mortgage rates get above 4.5% housing cools down, that's a positive. The last dislocated market we had was in 2013. You know, we had an inventory hangover. Home prices were going up 10%. I was like, why is this happening? Demand is not that good. Mortgage rates went up. It cooled the market down. We want an equilibrium. This is a be- this is a good thing. And, and second of all, if you're a home buyer, Think about if you just don't have to deal with 10 other people buying the same house, right? You, we need breathing rooms. Now, it's a benefit because this means the economy is getting better and you know people will be able to walk the earth. So this is not, oh, we, the Fed needs to raise rates because housing. No, it's nothing like that. This is just a function of growth is going to get better. Inflation expectations are going to get better. And we don't want a 40, 45% housing market having multiple bids. We just want a little bit of breather so everyone can relax and not feel because I'm hearing more discouragement, you know, people trying to buy a house and they just, they, can't, they get outbid. They simply get outbid every time. You don't want that. What that means is that people are just going to stay in their homes longer. We want a more functioning housing market. So when I frame this from 2.75 to 3.375 to 3.6 to being the highest level maybe this year, that's not a housing is going to collapse. That's just, we need breathing room, right? This is too hot, right? So we want higher mortgage rates just because it's going to be a good, a good thing and the economy is getting better. It's coming. So when it happens, don't think of it as a negative. Think of it as a positive. You as a buyer are not going to uh, probably, and, and this might not be the case. It might not even happen. Three, three and a half percent mortgage mortgage rates might not even create that breather, but we can't continue this every single month for the next few years. It is just a very unhealthy stage. And hopefully, I'm hoping it just cools the market down a little bit so we don't see multiple bids on the few inventory that's out there. Now, inventory is naturally going to rise because it's we're going to go into spring. Usually, the fall and winter inventory is the lowest. So we're going to get a little bit more inventory. And hopefully, this cools the, the, the price goes down. Like The number one thing for me is to see that year-over-year home price data uh, go down like we saw in uh, 2013, 2014, and even in 2018 and 19. That is the best positive. And, 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 I, and I wrote about this in 2019. I thought the best thing that happened in housing in 2019 is that real home prices went negative. Nominal home prices didn't go negative, but it cooled the market down. And look, look what happened. You know, we're have, the United States housing market is the most outperforming economic sector in the world. 
And it always falls back to demographics and mortgage rates. Mortgage rates are just historically low. So, so some people are like, oh no, why do you want the rates to go? No, rates are going to go up no matter what I say, the Fed does or anything, right? Economy is going to get better. You're, you're spoiled beyond belief below three, 3%. So if three and a quarter or three and a half percent kills you, then you're on, you're a marginal home buyer. That marginal home buyer can't buy that house. You're gone. Less, less activity for this one house because the demand is there. So I always say it's the hungry, hungry hippo game in the 1980s, right? You put that ball down, you have everybody trying to, you know, eat the ball. We don't have a lot of balls out there, right? It's not, we don't have that kind of inventory and home price growth right now is unhealthy. This episode is going live tomorrow, which will be February 18th, which is coincidentally also my eight year anniversary in the mortgage and real estate industry. So excited to be, have my eight year anniversary with you, Logan. Oh. Um, I know you yeah. and I have been tracking for a lot of those eight years. And to your point, as I remember when I started, uh, I think it was like 2013, early maybe 2013, we had the mortgage rates go back down and there was a huge refi boom. And so I think the point you stressed a lot during this interview is like, it's, they're historically low, even if they go a little bit, when you look at the grand scheme of things. And I think I've personally continuously, like we bought a home this year, or we're a walking statistic about following these demographic changes as a millennial. Um, And so I wanted to, knowing that I'm part of these statistics, I'm someone who bought a house, we paid over the listing price, we did get into a bidding war, we had to use the appraisal gap, um, which feeds right into home price growth. And so you stated the fact here that nominal home price growth goes above 4.6%. It's a bit too much for your taste. And that right now we're running at 9.5%, according to the S&P CoreLogic Case Trailer Index. So if you had to, once again, kind of put that into perspective for people in the industry, even home buyers, what maybe a home buyer isn't thinking about right now or the industry to help put in perspective, like that is a huge amount. And what is the impact to the industry that home prices are sitting right now at almost 10%? That's a huge amount. And I know personally, I witnessed that in our own home buying journey. Mm -hmm. You know, for many years, a lot of people said, you know, housing is underperforming because home prices are too high. And then one of the reasons why I kind of go after the student loan debt crisis people is that then they said, well, student loan debt crisis is preventing home buying as well. Millions and millions of people buy homes a year. If home prices were too high, we wouldn't have this year's data or last year's data or 2019 data, right? It is a, it, there's an equilibrium between home prices and mortgage rates and demand. And it's very rare since 1996 in America to have home sales under 4 million. If home prices were too high and mortgage rates too high, guess what? Inventory rises. We've had this happen before. Demand slows down and there's a, there's a fine equilibrium. This is different, right? Mortgage rates are abnormally low for a longer period because of COVID. COVID is an unnatural event. So when we see 10% or near 10% growth, because the Case-Shiller index lags, actually, and my concern is that it's going to be it's going to get worse, you know, in in uh, uh, this year once the data catches up to it, we could be having 11, 12, 13%. Over time, this sticks, right? People think that there's going to be this functioning marketplace where home prices are just going to crash and becomes no, people just stay in their homes longer. So this kind of price growth, if it happens for this five-year period, years 2020 to 2024 just is is a sticky housing inflation and you don't want it. And we were spoiled, right? We were spoiled from 2008 to 2019. Home prices were rising, but they weren't going uh, anywhere too fast. 
And I don't think people understand the raw power of demographics and mortgage rates together because when this is here, it, it, this is not like a stock. A lot of people think the housing market is like a stock market. You know, they think it's like the bubble speculation where all these investors are coming in and really to flip. No, people buy home, they want to stay in there. And like the fanatical housing bears think that, well, if home prices stop growing and people have negative equity and they're not going to, they're going to sell their house. These people are lunatics, right? These people are all on another planet, right? People buy a home as shelter, right? Who cares about the real estate investors and their YouTube accounts and their 20 guys? Majority of home buyers buy a home to live in it, right? Their kids are going to go to school and everything. So that sticky inflation is there. So the longer we have rates this low with this massive demographic patch in here, it's just not healthy long-term. So if home prices, the rate of growth comes down, it is the most positive thing, just like I wrote in 2019, it is the most positive thing because millions of people are going to buy homes anyway, right? So that's my concern. That's why I, you know, I believe mortgage rates are going to go up. That was the call for 2021. And when it does, and if you see a little cooling down, because nat naturally the housing data is going to cool down just because the function of COVID made it look too hot on the data. It's going to be fine. Not relax. We have, we have, we have so many like fragile people in housing, like one little thing goes wrong and they think they immediately go to the crash. And we have to lose this mindset because we're tougher than them, right? These housing bears are just not fragile. Like every little thing is like, everything is a crash. It's not a crash. It's just the rate of growth is too hot right now. So embrace the higher mortgage rate story when it comes, whatever the market does, the market's going to do on its own and it's going to be fine. But this is not good. This is the one thing I wrote about that I was worried the most about, and it's happening. So I would I would be lying to everybody if I saw rah rah shish kabah, yeah, home prices are going up ten percent, yeah, no, no, that, this is not like two thousand eight, two thousand nineteen. So that's why I wrote this because when it does happen, things cool down about it's fine, right? This is this is the way. So we've talked about home prices. We've talked about um, right now uh, mortgage rates. That last kind of third part of the equation that you also touched on the article is inventory. So there's two kind of parts I wanted to dissect on inventory. First one kind of ties into past conversations I know you and I have had, and it's on how people are staying in their homes longer. You're talking about from 19... 85, 2007, people were housing tenure was about five years. And right now we're sitting at a 10 year timeline. You've written, you've published content on the impact of work from home. You've published contact on the impact of COVID and how people aren't dating. So they're not going to mate, they're not going to have children and what that impact of the housing market is. So can you dive into when it comes to inventory, the impact of the 10 year, uh, 10 year timeline, do you see that changing at all, especially taking into account the past coverage that you've written about people and how they're looking at houses right now? So one of the things that I believed would be the case this decade that wasn't the case in the last decade is that I do believe people will move more. Uh, forget, forget, forget COVID and the work from home model for a second. Naturally, when people have kids, if they live in a small enough house, they will move, right? You move because of your kids, you move because of your jobs, you move because uh, uh, um, you, want, you want your kid to go to a better school, whatever it is. It, 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 there's a reason for it. Back in the previous expansion, uh, you know, uh, there's the, there was too much debt for, I mean, a lot of people just didn't even have selling equity to move their house. Now, remember, we've been building bigger and bigger homes for many decades and family sizes are smaller. So the question is, who does, who, who needs to move? Now, the baby boomers moving down, that's a different subject, but the moving up, uh, I thought this period of time would be the uh, would be the case where 
people should start moving and the housing tenure should be flat or even go negative. Now, the work from home uh, a story, that is the most exciting thing I, I'll ever have in the housing market. I mean, because a lot of people, they live near their work. And if they can actually, you know, if they live in a small home, especially if they live in a condo, they want a single family house, if they can just move to a cheaper area, that is like one of the more bullish things I could ever think of. I'm just very cautious about this just because whatever what happens in a crisis typically stays in a crisis. I do think there's going to be some people work from home. I just don't believe it's going to be as big as some people think. Uh, there's certain jobs that it fits that model. And then there's a lot of jobs that it doesn't. So uh, we'll see how that works out. But again, housing tenure should not go up, should not go from, you know, 10 years to 15 years during this decade. Uh, but, you know, inventory is just one of these issues because we'll never build enough homes to uh, uh, suffice everybody's needs. Everybody keeps on saying, we're going to build enough, we're going to build. Mature countries do not have construction booms, right? They, they, we've built out so many homes in the last 100 years. And the baby boomers are going to pass away eventually. They don't take their homes with them. Those homes are there. So the builders are very mindful of demand. Right now, it's excellent. The HMI data is very confident. Monthly supply is low. But when rates do rise, the builders are going to pull back a little bit. So construction is not going to save us. Higher rates will just cool things down because we're abnormally low right now. This is not, you know, and it's not like you can, home sales can't grow. God, we have pre-cycle highs in demand with pre-cycle lows in inventory. Home sales can grow. The problem is the inflation that comes with it when you have the best housing demographics and the lowest mortgage rates together, it creates an unhealthy home price growth gain. Well, so the other side of then, so that's great information, especially when it comes to the tenure timeline. I think that is something I think a lot of people have been thinking about, especially as people stay have stayed in their homes longer. So the current one, I think that also falls into the inventory is you also touch on forbearance. I know yesterday, I think right as you were writing this article, the Biden administration just announced the extra extension until June, which I think a lot of people are predicting that's not going to be the last extension that happens. So looking from the forbearance and the foreclosure side of the perspective, you said you we can't count on ending forbearance to free up a ton of inventory. So how can you not just expand on that, but just kind of set the scene there for the people who I'm sure there's a lot of people who are like those, the naysayers were saying that it's going to create a huge inventory thing. So what is the reality there? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And, and, and I mean this with all honesty too. The housing bears in America on a historical basis, might be the worst group ever. Because, I mean, I get, I always say this, I could get a six-year-old child, I could take them off the street and go, look at the census data. Do you think there's going to be a lot of people buying homes? They'll all say, yeah, that chart looks like a lot of people are going to buy homes. The forbearance crash grows, right? You know, how's that called? For some reason, they thought that, you know, forbearance when it was peak, it was around 4.8 million. These people thought uh, uh, unemployment rates would get to 30% and we'd have, we had like over 10 million loans delinquent during the housing bubble years, but except home sales were running at 7 million back then. That kind of demand cannot be sustained, right? Because these are not economists or data people, they're just professional grifters. You're working from 5.3 million home sales in 2019 going to 2020. The amount of demand that you would need to fall to create an inventory spike would be under 2 million. That's not, that's never happened. It's, it didn't even happen in the housing crash. So forbearance, it's different because these people actually qualified for the loan. These are not like 228s, interest only loans, option arms. If they get their jobs back, they're going to stay. They're not investors. 
right? Even the investors didn't sell their homes. These people are talking about, don't buy a house. Home prices are going to fall 30%. Why would you buy a house? You didn't even sell your home last year. You're going against your own logic, right? So forbearance is probably half of what it really is. You know, I, I, about 2.7 million roughly. It's probably half of that in terms of people that are probably stressed. So over time, There'll be some people that will foreclose, very small. There'll be some people that will be forced selling. We've already had, we've already, I've already personally seen some forced selling. Didn't do anything to the data, right? So don't expect this to be the saver. Forbearance in itself would solve my number one concern. If for, if for some reason the government says, hey, you guys are all on your own, you know, no more forbearance. It would solve, because demand is so good, it would actually cool the rate of growth prices. I just never believed it would be that case just because when these jobs come back, the incomes come back, that means they're fixed low debt costs. These people actually qualify for loans. They'll keep the house. They're homeowners. They're not investors. And not even the investors unloaded their property out here. So that was just, that was like, that was completely overblown. That's why I harp on it. The forbearance crash grows, right? The crash was supposed to happen last year. And now they want seconds. So on a two-year period, on a historical basis, you're never going to get a group that has whiffed more than this. So inventory is abnormally low because demand is good. Mortgage rates are low. There's just people are living in their homes longer. Bad recipe for home price growth, which was always the number one concern here. So the only thing that could that could solve this, a little bit higher mortgage rates, hopefully. And I'm, I'm not even sure if 3.375 or three and a half is going to do that. So I'm just like crossing my fingers. I wrote last year, I said, watch the housing data when the 10-year yield gets to 1.94% and higher. That's 3.75%. The rate of growth of, of some of these hot data lines should change. So I'm just hoping that we get a little bit of a breathing room because we don't want 10% home price growth every year for five years. It just does not do anyone any good. We talked about a lot of different important topics during this podcast. Logan, it's always a pleasure to hear your insights on our Housing War Daily and even on the coverage that you have on the site. Rather than ask you if there's anything else you'd like to add, I actually wanted to give you a quick second to just tease some things that people can look for coming from you ahead. I know there's some big reports coming out. So just to wrap a teaser of like, what can people expect coverage from you for the end of this week? Well, Existing home sales are going to come out Friday. You know, the HMI data came out today. The builder's confidence is still very high. It's, it's it, even higher than I thought it would be. The data is moderating. So just remember, existing home sales data will moderate. It should, right? It should get back down to 6.2 million and maybe even a lower. We have this huge gap between what existing home sales closed at in 2020, which was 5.64 million, to this, you know, 6.7 million number that we have right now. This will converge. When it converges, people are going to freak out. Why? Because they're not data people. Uh, purchase application data right now, forward-looking, is, is up 13.1% on trend for this year, year-over-year growth. That's already 2.1% higher than my uh, peak rate of growth for this year. So there's a lot of a lot of housing data is, is, is completely out of whack just because of what COVID did to it. So what I'm trying to do is going to try to guide people this year because after March 18th, we're going to have all these COVID lows and the year-over-year data is just going to look crazy. We're going to have maybe 60, 70% year-over-year growth. We're not growing that fast. So try to guide people. That's what I want to do this Friday. I'm going to go on Bloomberg. Try to guide people on what to look for. And so far this year, the forward-looking housing data is stronger than I thought. And that's that's the main takeaway uh, point so far. And we'll, we'll go over that on Friday. I'm looking forward to it. And I know our audience watches your coverage closely. So once again, thank you so much for your time, Logan, and appreciate all this insight. My pleasure. 
Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.